That was fun. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. <laughs> Got some Christmas spirit going on in here. My family likes every year to take a bit of a drive around the city, just a couple days before Christmas, to kind of get in the Christmas spirit and look at the lights. I try to map out where I know of at least a few houses where they've, you know, gone all Clark Griswold, and you can tune to the radio station, and, and um, we were driving around just a couple nights ago, and we ended up on a street, there, all the houses were dark. We were kind of making fun of them for being all bah humbug. Well, Taylor Swift was on the radio singing some sort of Christmas song about nostalgic feelings and the fire and the warm glow, and I was looking at the darkness of that stretch of houses, and I was just kind of thinking that these sentiments that we sing about in our songs, the nostalgia, the feelings of Christmas, um, oftentimes they just don't stand up to what's happening in the human heart this time of year often. The nights are long, the days are short, they're cold. We've been addressing the holiday blues this December, and we want to continue doing that tonight. The season is supposed to make us joyful. It's supposed to make us feel peaceful and connected. For many, it just feels the opposite of that. And I feel the need this year as we get to the end of the year to acknowledge just the depths of the darkness that the world is and what we're facing. I think it can be good to take stock of what we're feeling, what we're going through. Over the last week, several people have mentioned to me that this year feels darker, it feels moodier. There's a lot happening in the world and it's not great and we all know that. So welcome to our Christmas Eve service my name's Travis, and I'll be taking us through the next little bit here. And I think that we want to, I want to address just first of all the Christmas nostalgia. Happy holidays, the wonderful songs on the radio, the mood, the lights, the cookies. For me as a kid, I kind of got my first sense of disillusionment with that when I realized that most of this stuff is created to make money when my parents and some of their professional musician friends set out to make a Christmas record um, and we started recording it in May and did the whole production and then toured for the entire month of December to support it and sell it, uh, some of the songs I don't actually have good feelings about because they bring back memories of trials and late nights and on the road and random faces of people and, and I think that when I weigh the pressures facing human beings and the darkness in the world, saying happy holidays, tis the season, have some joy. I think the promise of simply having a wonderful Christmas time, thanks Paul McCartney, it falls short. I think the pain, the needs of the human heart, they just aren't being met. It doesn't hold up maybe even to the pressure that we put on it as a society. I don't know if you've noticed this, but once Halloween hits, there's like everything is compressed or maybe expanded. It's like Thanksgiving almost isn't even a holiday anymore. It's like a little blip between setting up your yard for Halloween and setting up your yard for Christmas. It's like we as a society are trying to grab onto something, this feeling, this thing that's supposed to maybe give us some joy and answers, and I'm not sure that it does hold up to the pressure. 
We sing songs. We listen to celebrities on the radio um, singing songs about this cute, sweet baby Jesus trying to make us feel this warmth and happiness. Well, maybe they don't even believe in him. And they're just making a buck selling records while we build ourselves up to this main event that's tomorrow morning. And it doesn't hold up. I think I've wrestled partly because of that, partly just because when we sing the candles and we sing Silent Night, which we're going to do tonight, the sentimentality of this cute, cuddly baby in a manger and these cute kids and happy candles and the sweet song feels insufficient to me to paste over the top of the human condition and think it'll do it justice. Now, that's heavy. And maybe some of you are like, man, I didn't want to come for a downer tonight. I'm just all in the Christmas spirit and joyful. Maybe, Steve, you're in that place, bouncing around with your guitar. That's wonderful. I love it. And that's fine. I'd, I'd like to hopefully address both tonight. Um, but if you felt like I felt, if you've got the holiday blues, I don't know that I necessarily do this year, but I definitely have that pressure that hits me every single year. Christmas, we have to understand, I think this is my bottom line premise for how we want to start here. Christmas is actually God's response to the problem of darkness in us and in the world. And there's a reason I don't have the stage lights on right now, because I want us just to think about what darkness is and what it does. You know, in the Bible, we have the gospel writers. We've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each one has kind of a count of Jesus's life. Matthew starts with the sweet baby Jesus and the normal characters that you know about. You know, there's shepherds and there's wise men. Luke kind of does the same thing. Mark kind of just inserts us into the middle of Jesus's adulthood, which is interesting to me. There are other parts in the Bible, though, that are a little bit different and bring in a little bit different, like, casts of characters. And one that I went to this week is in Revelation chapter 12. Verse 1, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, on her head a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne. It's a little bit of a different take on the normal things that we see when we think about the Christmas story. There's a dragon. There's a dragon. The Gospel of John has another different take beyond just the sweet baby Jesus in the manger. And he starts like this. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made. That was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Word was with God. The Word is Jesus Christ. He is God. He was with God in the beginning. He created with God. He was the God who created. And now this Word has become flesh and has come to dwell among us. This light 
was coming into the world, the light that was the life, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I love that phrase, the darkness cannot overcome it. Sometimes it feels like in this world the darkness is more powerful than light, like our brokenness, our pain, our hopelessness is always on the attack. It's going to snuff out whatever hope we have left, but John says because of who Jesus is, that's not the case. The darkness, no matter what it throws at us, no matter how it attacks, it can't beat back the light. Overcome, that word there is actually kind of a, a two Greek words put together. Um, roots would be like against, receive, like a, a take and over, take over. Like the forces of evil, the pain, the hurt, death itself, all the things they can't stand against Jesus and take over. It cannot overcome. Will you pray with me and then let's talk about the light. Jesus, help us to see maybe more than what we typically see this time of year where we're focused on presence and lights and maybe waking up to reality midway through Christmas Day and we're off in the corner silently scrolling through our phones wondering if everybody else has a different life than us, a better life than us, realizing the season didn't deliver again. Or maybe we're in the space where it is the most joyous time of year and we're ecstatic and we're excited about you and God, I'm, I'm just so grateful for that. If those people are here too, I'm probably somewhere in the middle. Help us to see you clearly, God, in your power and your light. Help us as we struggle with the darkness in this world to know where our hope should be. And I pray that that hope would come and even joy would come to us in the midst of holiday blues. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So light is essential to life. Because in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Our need in humanity has always been light. You know, a hundred years ago was kind of the first time where we had widespread available electricity to create electric light in our houses. Prior to that, if you wanted light outside of just the sun shining, you would have to accumulate fuel and burn it in some way to provide light. It was costly. It took effort. The sun, the light was everything. People would wait for the sunrise and life would begin. Light is where plants grow. It brings life, photosynthesis. More than that, it brings revelation to us. Think about it in this way, maybe, in terms of revelation. If you run in the dark, you're likely to find out how fragile your toes are. <laughs> but if you run in the daytime, you can see the obstacles in your path, and so light reveals things for what they actually are. In the darkness, you're more prone to be running into things because you can't see them or even be vulnerable. You, can, and, and you can't anticipate the danger. In darkness, we have death. If you put a plant in darkness, it will eventually just die. Light brings life. You know, light in the Bible is first mentioned at the very beginning in the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, and darkness was over the face of the deep. 
And God said, let there be light. And there was light. The light lit up everything. The sun itself wasn't even created until the fourth day. It doesn't say what the source of that light was for those first three days. We can only speculate, but I wonder if it was God himself, because God throughout the Bible is described as being a flame in light. Ezekiel saw a vision of God, and he described this. He said, and upward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around, and downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were the appearance of fire, and there was brightness around him. God meets others throughout the Bible. They describe him similarly, glowing metal, fire, light. You know, when Moses, Moses was pleading at the end of his life, he told God, I want to see you. And God said, no one can see my face and live. But God was kind enough to hide him in the cleft of a rock. And he covered over him while he passed by. And then he removed his hand just for a moment. And Moses caught a glimpse of the backside of God. And when Moses came down off that mountain, the people couldn't look at his face because he was glowing, because he had caught a glimpse of the backside of God. And it was brilliant light. Moses had to put a veil over his face so that the people weren't afraid. I think that is just marvelous. First Timothy 6, 16 says that God dwells in unapproachable light. First John 1, 5 says God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. And we human beings were designed, made, built, sculpted to live in the presence of God in the midst of that unapproachable, intense, glorious light. That's what we're designed for. Psalm 1611 says, in his presence... That's where we'll see the path of life. I think about that revelation of illuminating what's in front so you can take the next step. In the presence of God is when you can see that. And it says we'll be filled with joy. and There'll be pleasures forevermore at his right hand. But sin entered the world right back there at the beginning in Genesis chapter 3. Humanity decided that it could go a better way and live in the darkness. And you see the scene with the serpent and the deceit and the lie. And humanity suddenly fell and could no longer live in God's presence and the world was shrouded in darkness. The people walked in darkness. And in the middle of history, this baby is born. On a silent night when all seemed calm, as we saw in Revelation chapter 12, a cosmic war is happening behind the scenes. When you pull back the curtain on that little, tender, soft baby snuggled up against his mom's shoulder. All is calm. A dragon is trying to devour him. The serpent that had deceived mankind at the beginning is revealed to be this dragon, Satan, ready to devour the baby. The Apostle Paul He said this about our world. He said that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There is a whole system of spiritual darkness spearheaded by the dragon, by Satan himself. It rages below the surface of our everyday lives. We feel it. 
and we see it, and it comes into our news feed every day. We're watching what's going on in Ukraine. We're watching what's going on in Gaza. We see the school shootings, and it is awful, and it is evil, and we know that's true, and we feel it pressing on us, but maybe even worse, that darkness, because humanity fell, it's not just something out there. It's in us. I think one reason the darkness in the world is so disturbing to us is that we see ourselves in it, our weaknesses, our failures, our brokenness, our disordered desires that cause us to do evil things. And I think for a lot of us, there is no darkness more intimidating than the one that we feel inside ourselves. Jesus had something to say about that. He said, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And we hide our wicked desires. We hide our deeds in the dark. And we're scared to come into the light. It's killing us. And it causes us to trample all over each other and build walls and isolate and put people out as the other and this is like the natural state of our hearts it's not just out there it's a fatal wound we've given ourselves in us but Jesus didn't come at Christmas to condemn the world for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him And so in John chapter 1 that we read, the different account of the gospel, where in the beginning was the word, we see an echo from Genesis 1 that in the beginning God created, and when he did, the word, Jesus Christ was with God, the word, Jesus Christ was God. Have you ever heard the phrase, well, he's as good as his word, meaning someone who speaks the truth, he speaks the words, and that's our reputation. That's what proves who we are, right? The word of God spoken is Jesus Christ given to us the truth, and he's the light, the true light that gives light to everyone. He lights up the path in front of us, and this baby was the light. It's not just a nostalgic, feel-good thing. This baby was the light, the only one who can give us hope while we drown in this darkness. And when he was grown, there was a day where Jesus took a few of his disciples, just three of them, and they climbed up on this high mountain. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. The veil was dropped for a moment off of his humanity. And they saw the deity. They saw a glimpse of what he really looked like. Later on, in Revelation chapter 1, John, he writes, he sees Jesus. He sees a vision of the resurrected Jesus. He says his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. Imagine the shroud of restraint he had to place on himself to implode all of that magnificent, brilliant glory into a tiny human baby. And we sing radiant beams from thy holy face when we sing Silent Night. And I just wonder if we just had like a little pinprick in the midst of that veil to see the actual deity of what he really looks like shine through. 
it would be radiant beams because his face shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. And so when we remember this baby, a few minutes now, by lighting candles and singing Silent Night, what's happening simultaneously is the defeat of sin and death forever and the overthrowing of the cosmic powers and spiritual forces of evil and darkness that make war against the name of God and his glory and his renown. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And he didn't just make that statement out of the blue. This is when he was an adult, and he was quoting a prophecy that was written by the prophet Isaiah 700 years before he was born. The religious authorities at the time got mad at him. They wanted to kill him because they knew what he was saying. He was pointing back to Isaiah chapter 9 where Isaiah had promised the Messiah and he was equating himself with God and it, it made them mad. But this is what that chapter, that verse in Isaiah 9 says, Isaiah 9 two. It says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has a light shone. And so when Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not have to walk in this darkness, but will have the light of life. They knew what he was saying. Because this this phrase, deep darkness, they dwelt in a land of deep darkness. If you look at the original Hebrew on that, the the word literally means death darkness. It's often translated as the shadow of death, but it's the darkness of death. And so Christmas is something that brings light to the darkness that we live in. It allows us to live with joy and with peace, even though we do live in this land where every single one of us is touched by death. And I think this is what we'll need to bring us home tonight, is death is the ultimate darkness. Every one of us, last I checked, is going to die. It's the only thing in life that's guaranteed for all of us. And we live in a society that's trying to tell us that nothing exists after death. Nothing exists there, so put all of your hope right now, and so listen to all the Mariah Carey songs and the Taylor Swift songs, and accumulate all the cookies, and go out and look at all the light displays, and turn your radio to that nostalgic song about the sleigh ride, which is way too fast. I don't know why they made that song so fast. Um, Sorry, I digress. We're told to place our hope in those things. Get all the love and pleasure and good feelings now because there's nothing after this, but honest atheists like Nietzsche, they're right when they say that if there is no life after this one, there's no meaning to be found. About 2,300 years ago, Epicurus said the same thing. He said he hoped we'd be annihilated after death. So you just live in the now. But he said, what people fear most is not that maybe death is annihilation, but that maybe death is not. What if maybe death is not the end? What if darkness, the death darkness, the darkness of death, what if it cannot overcome the light? It tried to. Jesus was put on a cross. Satan tried to extinguish the light of the world, and for a moment it seemed like he succeeded. Scripture says when Jesus died, darkness came down over all the land. The wrath of God, darkness, came down on Jesus. 
and it placed him in the ultimate death darkness, the darkness of death, so that we wouldn't have to. But he resurrected. He rose from the darkness of the grave on the third day. Jesus, the light of life, invaded the darkness to conquer death so that we wouldn't have to fear it. And that is the message of Christmas. That's the one that gets my heart going. That's the one that lights a fire inside of me, the same kind of fire that the prophet Jeremiah spoke of when he said, there's a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. I cannot. Because the resurrection is true. The power of the resurrection, if you're in Christ, is yours. The light is yours to burn inside you with a deep intensity and drive out the darkness. And this year especially, in a dark season of our world, as we look at, what is it, 30-some presidential elections across the globe next year, darkness doesn't get to write the last chapter of our story. We know that that's true because of Jesus and the resurrection. The beginning in Genesis is started with light. The last chapter of the Bible is full of light. I love it. The night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. I love that. I love that. I wonder if it's the same light that existed at the very beginning, before the sun even existed, for those first three days of creation. Jesus is so full of brilliant light, we don't even need the sun. (laughs) I love it. So maybe three takeaways for us tonight to close. I think the first one, receive the light. Recognize every single person is separated from God, and we all have darkness in us. And we live in darkness. We can't make light. We can't see in the dark. We're stumbling around because we can't see and we can't see the path of life. And maybe tonight you can feel that. That darkness is pressing on you. I just want to ask, how's it going? How's life going? Can you see ahead? Are you stumbling? Can you feel it inside? I have good news tonight. No matter how much the darkness feels like it's pressing on you, whether from the outside or from the inside or both, Jesus' light can penetrate any darkness no matter how deep it goes into your soul. The darkness cannot overcome the light. The darkness has not overcome the night. The darkness will not overcome the the light. You can leave behind sin. You can leave behind shame. You can leave behind addiction. You can leave behind isolation. Jesus wants to come and have fellowship with you. He wants to come and heal you. He wants to come and free you from captivity to release you from bondage. You don't have to stay in darkness. You don't have to stay in death. You don't have to stay in sorrow. All you have to do is receive the light. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to produce goodwill this season, happy holidays. You don't have to produce hope. You don't have to even produce your own light. Just pray a simple prayer. Jesus, I know you're standing there knocking at the door to my heart. My heart's full of darkness. Come in. Come in. 
I want to receive the light and come into every dark corner that exists in me. That'd be our first next step for us. Second, if you've received the light, my exhortation to us tonight is to live in it. If you're a Christian tonight, live in the light. God's presence, his power, his joy, the path of life is always available to you. If you feel like you're stumbling, if you're struggling, if maybe there are some dark corners in your soul, bring them into the revelation that is the light. Let them be seen. Jesus says if we walk in the light, he'll purify us from all sin. Let his light shine in every part of your life. Don't hide the dark edges. Expose them. And I would encourage you tonight If that's happening and you expose those to God, but not only to God, but to each other, find someone who's trusted and confess that. You've been living in the darkness and you want to be known, you want to be seen, you want to be in the light. Refuse to live in the darkness. And then finally for us tonight, witness about the light. You know, in Matthew 5, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. He said, a city that's on a hill, it cannot be hidden. He said, if you have this light, you don't put it underneath a bowl to hide it. You put it on a stand so it can shine and it can give light to everyone. And you know, there was an old quote from an old preacher named Charles Spurgeon. He said, you know, non-Christians don't read the Bible. What they do read is Christians. So be the light of the world. But you might feel like your light is little. And I I think that's okay. You might think you need to get your act together to be the light of the world. But in John 1, right after the other verses we read, it kind of abruptly shifted and it said, there's a man sent from God. This is right after the light has come into the world and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. And I think that's kind of how it is for us. Jesus says you are the light of the world, and it's like this. You're not the light. You're there to bear witness about the light. The moon has no light of its own. You know that? It doesn't emit light. It's not creating light. But it lights up the night sky. Have you ever been outside on a full moon? We were camping one time, and I wanted to see the stars because here in town, we don't see the Milky Way, right, because we've got so much light pollution. So we were out in the middle of the desert in Moab, Utah, and I was just so excited to see it. And what came up over the hill instead was a full moon. (laughs) Can't see the Milky Way when the full moon's out. (laughs) But it's not its own light. What's it doing? It's reflecting the sun. So when Jesus says, you are the light of the world, he's not asking you to create your own light. He's just saying, just open yourself up to the light and you'll reflect the sun, the son of God who is the light of the world. Man, you guys can come on up and finish us out here. The great thing about light is darkness can never beat it back. Have you ever opened your front door in the middle of the night The darkness does not come rushing into the lit living room because darkness isn't even a thing in of itself. It's the absence of something. It's the absence of light. I've never heard of a flash dark, like you can't create a flashlight, flash dark, (laughs) shine this at the light, it's going to go away. 
St. Francis of Assisi said almost a thousand years ago, all the darkness in the world cannot extinguish the light of a single candle. The more candles get lit in a room, the brighter the room gets, and no one can do a thing about it. So what we're going to do now to close out our service is we're going to start with a single candle. And for me, this is, as I've thought about this, I think there's a deep meaning to the tradition that we're about to partake of together. Because I think we can consider how we go from here and continue the light spread throughout the world. Imagine if all the darkness in the world can't extinguish one candle, imagine what the light of billions of candles lit could do in this dark world as we reflect the light, the true brilliant light, the radiant beams from his holy face. Imagine the dawn of redeeming grace that this planet could experience instead of the darkness. So all is bright. Glories stream from heaven afar. Son of God loves pure light. Radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Let's watch the light overcome the darkness as we sing together. And so when it feels heavy, when it feels dark, reflect on that curtain being pulled away. Revelation 12 put on display and a dragon seeking to devour because the darkness is real. And I don't think we should try to sanitize that or gloss it over or paste some sort of form of happy holidays over the top of it to try to make it feel better because the dragon is real. I think it was in The Hobbit where it said that if, if you live in the presence of a real live dragon, you should probably take that into account when you're making your plans. And for us, as we encounter the darkness of the world and encounter the darkness in us, don't take it lightly. That's a mortal wound in the souls of human beings. But you know, the weapon that the dragon, Satan, has or has had, that human beings are the most afraid of, it's death. It's the fear of death. It's bringing about that fear of death for us. The light came in the world. The darkness could not overcome it. And Jesus beat death itself. The glory, the illuminating power and brilliant light of God put all the way down into that meek and mild child that we were just singing about. So that God, the one who's unapproachable, in brilliant light could become killable. And the one who had the power of death was able to use that power on him so that it wouldn't happen to us. And he died, and then he beat death by raising from the dead. The resurrection is real and it's true, and you can have that power in you. And so when you face the real dragon, 
you have to understand its teeth are knocked out. If you're in Christ, it cannot kill you. You have eternal life. The path of life is made known to you. Jesus is shining like the sun. There will come a day where there is no more night. And pleasures and joy forevermore at his right hand will be yours. And you can have that right now by receiving the light, living in it. And then I just beg you, urge you, have the boldness to put that life on display and be a witness to it in this dark world. This world needs that light more than ever right now. Let's pray and conclude our evening. Jesus, thank you for Christmas. Thank you that it's not just happy holidays and it's not just Santa and elves. And the cry of our world is believe, believe, but believe in what? A little baby in a manger who is God in the flesh who would die for us and then beat death in his resurrection. We are so grateful for that. Jesus, help us to live in that light, in that power, in that joy. And I pray that this world would be able to see that we have a hope that goes beyond this moment and beyond the world and it doesn't make sense in in the, the view of the darkness. But let our souls be at rest and peace as we go out. And I pray you give us the boldness to be that light this season, maybe even tomorrow morning with family members who don't believe, to proclaim your gospel and your truth. Jesus, thank you for this season. Thank you for Christmas. Amen.